This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. All right. I think we're live. Good morning. Nikki Buckaloo here at the Senior Living Truth Series, and I'm live today with some of my good friends and colleagues, and then, of course, my husband, Chris, Shannon Steiger, who is our uh, lead sales manager here at Buckley Realty Group, and our good friend and office manager at Keller Williams Realty Platinum, Mark Wilkinson. Give them away, Mark. Hi, Chris, Shannon. So thanks, guys, for being here. We're excited to be providing this talk online, and we appreciate you joining us. As I understand it, we have about 100 and so people. Over 130 people registered. 130 wow. people. So, you know, on a normal month, at our live seminars we have somewhere around 150 to 200 so thanks for showing up guys we hope that uh, you get as much value from this experience as you do from the live experiences in person so although i have to tell you i miss the in person don't you yeah 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 absolutely yeah i miss the hugs Mm -hmm. and i miss seeing people and smiling and laughing and i also miss our sponsors and so just a reminder that even though our sponsors can't be here in person they're here in spirit, and many of them are listening in uh, to the call and can field questions after uh, when we get to that part of the presentation. So um, sponsors, just know that we appreciate you. We're glad you're here, and we can't wait to see you again very soon. Um, so we're going to be talking about the truth about selling your home as is today, right? Mm-hmm. Am I on the right topic? You're good. Mm-hmm. You're good. good. All right. So I asked uh, Chris and Shannon uh, to talk from the real estate perspective since they're the ones uh, these days out in the field more so than I am. And then I asked Mark to be here with us today because Mark uh, is the manager of a large office and having been in, Mark, you were a manager in an office in uh, Missouri and in North Carolina. Anywhere else that I'm missing? Uh, Kansas. Oh, and in Kansas, okay. So before um, he came to Oklahoma, he managed offices in these other areas, and then he did sell real estate um, successfully um, before that. So I wanted Mark to kind of provide a, the big picture perspective of what happens out there when, um, and then our team, obviously, from the local standpoint. So I have a couple of just quick disclaimers or housekeeping items, let's call it that. Since we are doing this via Zoom, and we have people dialed in from around the country, as I understand it. I just want to be clear that when we talk about some of the real estate law stuff, we're talking about Oklahoma, Oklahoma. right? So make sure that you check with your state's uh, disclosure rules and regs and things like that. And then the other thing I would say is, um, you know, Oklahoma City and large metropolitan areas often have their real estate practices and customs. Um, My dad, my family's from small town rural Oklahoma and they do it a little differently there. So we don't wanna generalize, but just note that um, here in the Oklahoma City metro area and kind of members of our board of realtors, could we say, Mm -hmm. probably? We'll focus on the norms of what happens here in real estate because that's what we're experts of. Yeah, anything else people need to check with their local agents, right? And if you've got something in another area and you need a local agent, let us know, we're happy to find one for you this. Real estate is always hyper-local. And so we're really focused on the Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City Metro, but we can absolutely refer to specialists within other areas. Okay, so- And I would tell you, Nikki, that- Yep, 
there's just a lot of common sense in this topic today, and you're going to find that it's going to pass over a whole lot of borders. This is a really good topic to have more of a universal perspective on. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Good. Thank you for saying that. All right. So I'm just going to kind of open it up with a little overview of the two types of uh, homeowners that we talked about that we run into, right? And I'm just going to give the audience this information and then I'm going to open it up for some questions to you guys. And then obviously those of you who are on the webinar and would like to ask questions, you can type those into the chat. Uh, Naomi, our wonderful Naomi, is in the background fielding those questions and is going to funnel those through to us so we can answer those when we get to the Q&A part, right? Um, so here are the two types of homeowners as certified senior housing professionals and downsizing coaches working mostly with people who are moving after having lived in the same home for many years. Here's the two type of people we come across. Tell me if I describe these accurately if you want to add on to these. People who want their home to be more or less perfect mechanically when they sell it, right? They want the roof to be good, the air conditioner to work well, the heater, mm -hmm. plumbing, all those things. They've actually taken great pride in their home. And their house may be a little bit dated or not, but it's got what you guys often refer to, Shannon, as great bones, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Okay. So then the second type of homeowner sometimes is the person who wants to get the most money they can for their house in its current condition. And in fact, there may be some deferred maintenance and they just really don't want to have to deal with it. They want to sell it as is, where is, and they don't really want to have to make it HGTV ready, right? <laughs> as you refer to it, right? They just want to keep it simple and as is to them means let's just sell it like it is. Okay. Did I accurately kind of portray absolutely, those? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So the question for you guys as real estate professionals, Mark and Shannon and Chris, um, can a house be sold as is? And if so, what does that really mean here in Oklahoma? Who wants to field that one first? I'll start. I oh, go ahead, Mark. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I, I just want to, the, the difference that you made, I think really is what's more important to the person. Is it time or money? Okay. The people that want to make the most money is going to sell the shiniest apple. The people that need times more important is just going to sell the apple. And so I think that is the biggest deal. And, and it all gets down to perspective. And there's nothing wrong with that. You'll notice that in, in my office of over 150 agents, even agents handle it differently. But the most important thing to do is be working with a consummate pro that is willing to listen and meet the needs of the consumer not the wish of the, of the agent. So you always want to make sure you're being heard and that you have a quality professional that's willing to advance your agenda because they're both uniquely different. Okay, good point. So let's, I'm going to take that and parlay it back to what I think you were getting ready to say is let's assume that the agent, in this case, you guys have done that right. conversation and they do want to sell it as is. What would that look like? Absolutely. In, in Oklahoma specifically, and that's what we'll look at right now, is that our contracts are, are basically built for the standard real estate contract is the house is being sold and generally the buyer has an inspection period. So we can state in the contract that the house is to be sold as is. And that statement in the contract is as is. However, that does not necessarily exclude the buyer from wanting to do inspections. So that's where we run into that, I'm selling it as is, however, why are they doing inspections? Well, in, in a lot of cases, they're doing inspections to be well-informed of what they're buying and what they're getting into and making sure it's what they want. However, 
if they go through the inspection process and from their preliminary two or three minutes they walk through the house and said, I love the house, I want to do this to it and I want it as it is, to finding out that maybe there is a larger issue or a more expensive issue than they're worried about, that's where they come back and go, well, maybe I don't want to buy it or maybe I want to buy it at a lesser price because it needs a structural work or maybe because of another issue. And that's that renegotiation period. So as is becomes complicated at that point. However, we do sell houses many times over. It's as is, they come back and say, well, what about this? And we said, well, our agreement up front was as is. So that's where we're at. And so we hold them to that. And so either they're in or they're out. Not, not that we'll do any repairs. And that's the whole point. So, Okay, so hang on, time out. Let me paraphrase, because okay. you, you covered a lot of ground. There. I did. Okay, so the first part of that, what I hear you saying is the contracts are built for an inspection. Absolutely. Our mm -hmm. home contract is built for an inspection. So if they're going through a real estate agent, mm -hmm. they can expect to negotiate the price and then have an inspection. And then what I hear you saying is there may be a renegotiation of price based on that inspection. Possibly. But if we've set the stage up front as is, from our, our perspective of, of working for you being as is, it's as is, even with whatever they find. Now, that's where we're going to turn towards and say that was our agreement up front. Now it gives them an out to say, hey, this is a bigger project than I expected. And then they may walk away. That's always an option with our current state contract. So it really is about building your uh, objective up front and everybody understanding and expectations of where we're going with this agreement. As is means different things to sellers <laughs> as it does to buyers. But you can say as is in a group of people and if you have some that are buyers and some that are sellers, they're both going to interpret as is differently. So that is why when you're selling as is that you, that you not only say it's going to be as is, but you define what as is is to you because that is going to look different. A prime example is the yeah, roof. I mean, Let's talk yeah. about roof. Um, I've had clients who have sold the house as is. Their house is, their roof is insurable for them at that current time. But when we do inspections, um, the buyer does an inspection, they discover that the roof is not insurable. So for them to be able to purchase the home with a um, conventional or government loan, FHA, VA, that roof has to be insurable. Well, the, my sellers would say, well, hold on. I've got insurance on my roof. It's perfectly good right now. Well, it is for you but it is not for your buyer. So as is, meaning you would not repair that roof, would mean that they could not, no longer purchase that home because, because they, they it. cannot yeah. insure it. Okay. That's where that right. distinction comes right. with as is. So as a seller, you can say everything in my house works it, and everything works. There may be things that you believe work that may not work completely or up to a particular standard that is where that inspection comes in and that's where the buyer is doing their due diligence to look beyond that like chris said that initial 15 30 right. minute cursory walk through the house yeah. okay so another one in oklahoma might be foundation repairs right Correct. sometimes people don't even know they have foundation problems okay until well they've, they've it's inspection. been slow and subtle changes and they don't realize what the impact has happened over the years of having it and so can you sell a house with foundation repairs needed as is? Mark, you had something to add to that? Yeah, I was going to say it's perception. And, and 
I have a perception of what my home is because I've lived in it for 20 years and I never use the Whirlpool tub. So my perception is the home is perfect. I've got a couple that's dreamed their whole life of having a Whirlpool tub and they get in and they, and they see it and they assume it works because it's there, but upon inspection, they determine that it doesn't. And so, so that's why a professional realtor is so important because it's not about getting it sold. I think as Shannon and Chris both said, it's about keeping it sold and taking perception into reality is what the inspection period really, really does. So I'm going to use your example real quick of the Whirlpool tub and we're going to play this out because I guarantee you there are people in the audience right now asking, okay, so if they find out it doesn't work and I haven't used it for 20 years and I didn't care if it worked or not, is that going to keep my house from selling? So what are the options at that point? If that buyer says, I want that Whirlpool tub to work or I'm not buying the house, how does that play out? Okay. I have personally as a real estate professional, um, turned on and filled up more Whirlpool tubs in the consultation when we are talking about their home because the answer to me is just what you guys said. I don't, you know. said it perfectly. It. I don't know. I've never used it or I haven't used it in 15 years. Well, let's go turn it on um, and then let's go find out. I mean, that's an easy fix. I am not a plumber. I am not a technical person, but I can operate traditional Whirlpool tubs. <laughs> so that's okay. Let's try it. Um, let's try it. And then we find out, oh good, it does work. But that being said, when an inspector comes and inspects it, they're looking beyond my filling up the tub and turning it on. They're looking right. underneath it and right. looking at different things. Does, so it, heat, does it leak? Does correct. It, does, it drain? Drain? does it drain? Does it drain? Is there access to it? So again, there's a whole nother realm there. So you can dive into that deep end of the pool that we're probably going literally. to drown because yes, <laughs> literally, and we're probably going to drown because that's not our expertise. So what you want to focus on is what you have knowledge of and you're able to assess. And then the real estate professional, just what Mark said, our job is to keep that deal together by bringing in the right people to get you the right information as the process continues in the contract. Okay, so I'm gonna again I'm gonna dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Let's say you didn't do that mm -hmm. with that particular house and we don't know if the Whirlpool tub works, right. we find out that it doesn't. The client said to you, I want to sell it as is, but they want me to fix this whirlpool tub and it's gonna cost, let's just say three hundred dollars to okay. do that. I don't really want to do that. So how in Mark's regard, he says, let's keep the sale together, let's keep it sold. What do you say to that purchaser? How do you relay that information about what the seller will or won't do to that? Well, I, I, your option there is to go back to the intent of the contract and the intent of the contract was as is. And over a $300 repair or even a $500 repair on a Whirlpool tub, I would say that doesn't constitute a, a, a real big objection of as is. I would go back and say more of a contention with the roof scenario being so, I can't buy the house because I can't insure the roof. Therefore, I can't finance it the way I want to finance it. So I am unable to buy the house. That's a bigger problem than a $300, $500 whirlpool that we can sure. usually negotiate fairly easily. The good news about roofs in Oklahoma, most of the time, assuming you've got a replacement coverage on your roof, we can get those done where they're little cost to you through working with roofer through cost and all that. So there's, there's things about that that makes that problem financially maybe a bigger number, but a much easier scenario to overcome. 
uh, you're going to have to replace the roof. You're going to replace you're gonna the roof. Have to whether they buy it or somebody else buys it. But you also look at the fact that we, well, let's go for foundation repairs. So that's really a bigger problem because that can be several thousands of dollars for a repair. Um, and most lenders aren't looking at that. So you may be able to sell it with those repairs need to be done. And so that's, that's where we would be able to negotiate what the intent of as is, is to buyer and as is, is to seller and go back. Mark looks like he has something he wants to say. Yeah, Mark, how, how often are you seeing these things play out in contracts? Uh, Weekly. Yeah. And what I notice is it's about taking a proactive stance. You know, when they, of course, and Chris said this on his opening comment, a seller can inspect a house up front to get their opinion closer to reality of what they're really selling. What inspectors find when they do an inspection is they find some honeydew chores because there's no perfect house, just like there's no perfect relationship. They find some um, minor things that are going to be need to take care of because a 20-year-old house has a 20-year-old personality, and they're going to find major non-functioning or dangerous. Now, if in that negotiation, a major non-functioning or dangerous, and y'all hit on those two, one is a foundation, the other is a roof, those usually become points of contention because neither the buyer's perception when he wanted to buy the house or the seller's perception when they priced it was aware of the major non, the non-disclosed issue. I think that when you, when you go into it proactively, you want to tell your great agents, tell their sellers, we want to hold back a few hundred dollars in case they find some picky things. And we want to tell the other side, Hey, um, you did a great job negotiating as is, is as is, as they go into it. You're just going through a learning phase. We're not renegotiating. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did, when you, when you all do a consultation with a seller, mm-hmm. you usually give them an estimated list of the potential expenses they're going to have to sell the home, right? Do you do what Mark's talking about? Do you build into that some possibility of repairs that may have to happen from inspection? It depends. <laughs> See, I paid attention. Um, so it, it does depend on the house. There are some homes, yes. And I will have some clients who their homes are um, beyond good bones. The mechanics of that house are perfect. They know every minute crack in the house and they will point them all out to me. Yeah. And we are in Oklahoma. Our ground moves. It yeah. moves. It's inevitable. So there are going to be some cracks. And they've been very worried about that less than hairline crack in their house. So that has been what that less than hairline crack is holding them back because they are positive. They have major foundation repairs because of that less than hairline crack, but they don't, but they don't. So that's where, again, not a foundation person. That's not our specialty, but we've hung around them long enough that we know what the, the benchmarks are of where we would call in a professional to get you more information. So uh, often when we leave a consultation, when we leave that walkthrough where they're walking me through their house and saying, Shannon, we're selling this house as is, there's way too much to be done to it. We are not even beginning to tackle it. I walk through the house and go, excuse me, I missed everything you just said. None of those things need to happen because those are on your standard list way up here. Right. The house is more or less perfect. Yes. (laughs) Again, there's no, well, there's no perfect house. We we don't, we, you do not get an inspection, a home inspection and pass it with an A, B or C. Please don't think that because you're going to be sad um, (laughs) because there's going to be stuff on your list. Most everybody has a B or C. Yes. Yes. And and that's a, that's good. (laughs) That's a good one. Um, But you do want to make sure that you're looking at the extent of the, the degree of something in your house. 
cracks in foundation mm -hmm. are about degrees. Yeah. yeah. So can we talk about a real life scenario well, of yeah, a, a seawall? Not seawall, but a retaining wall. I was thinking of a retaining well, wall. Well, I was going to go for a roof. So we sold a house as is last year. We the, the house needed a lot, a lot of work. It was gonna. It was a probate situation. The owner had passed, so a lot of deferred maintenance. And we realized going into it, it would be an as-is sale, literally an as-is sale. So with that in mind, we priced it that way. But we also priced it enough where we thought we might end up with multiple offers to bid it up a little bit, so to speak. And we did. It was, so we we got about eight to ten thousand dollars more than what we listed it for, which is right on our line of expectation and it was as is and that was the whole point but when it came down to it we had a roof yes. issue so we went back to our seller and said we understand it's a, it's a probate situation there's really no money in the estate to do that repair hang on a second your sound maybe give it a second let it cycle okay and so the the repair side of it would be that we needed to do the roof. There was no money to do it, so we went to the insurance company. We got our roofer out there, insurance company out there. They all looked at it. We actually did it twice with the insurance company. That making the deal, and the deal was with the buyer who was going to remodel the house. He said, "This is what we'll do. Whatever money the insurance company gives, we'll give you." The caveat to this was to be in alignment with what the insurance company was doing. Is you put you. So we basically, we basically pay buyer, buyer money, the money from the roof for the insurance we'll put the roof on. And they did. So, so it was, it was easy, easy enough to negotiate the cost of the seller nothing other than, other than the fact that they had to make a claim. So I'm going to interrupt you there for a second. Yeah. Um, Deferred maintenance depends on the type of 
deferred maintenance. So, for example, people will tell me, well, there's no air conditioner in this house. It cannot go FHA. That's not true. FHA does not care if you are cold or if you are hot in the summer. I don't care. <laughs> they do care that the heater works. So you cannot be cold in the winter in Oklahoma with an FHA loan. That's a requirement. So that's where that real estate professional is key because we're able to help to help you decipher what what your buying market is going to be. So when you're saying as is, it does, it can change who your buying market is. Okay. So what you yeah. it's it's who you can sell to. Mm -hmm. You start limiting your pool of buyers by going as is. So when you've moved into that as is arena, depending on condition and deferred maintenance, it could be literally you could only sell it cash if it's bad enough. Depends on you. Yeah. Right. If it's minor stuff, you may be only to sell to a conventional buyer. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's, so it all just kind of depends. And the best thing is, is have someone come in and look at it a professional real estate agent can look at it and give you an idea of what you're looking at and who you're going to defer to. Now, sometimes, um, Mark, we get mixed signals, right? So sometimes we hear appraisers that come in and do trainings in our office and, and lenders too will say uh, cer certain things are approved, certain things aren't based on different loan types. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Everybody seems to have an opinion. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and um, if you will accept a strategy that just like buyers have an inspector to decide if that's a house they still want to buy, lenders and federal and state governments that insure loans have an inspector to make sure that's a piece of collateral they're willing to accept. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of the golden rule, the one with the gold is going to make the rules. And our job is just to be knowledgeable professionals so we can stay ahead of that and manage, manage it before it occurs and get the thing quickly to close. Yeah, and this really, it, this isn't related to whether they have a realtor or not. This is really related to, even if they're selling it by owner, if that buyer is getting financing, they're subject to the same things that mm -hmm. they would be if a realtor Probably was the it. most cut and dry example is peeling paint. Correct. Peeling paint on a house built before 1978 is a problem for FHA. It's going to have to be corrected. And that's and fixed. because of lead-based paint. Lead-based paint issue. Yeah. That's pretty cut and dry. Now, screens, windows, cracked windows, egress, all of that, that comes down to an appraiser's point of view at the time based on the financing that they have. So it's, it's, it's that whole big variance of having it looked at and giving the idea of this may be an issue, this may not be an issue. When you're talking about as is, it's also about perception. When you go to a store um, and you see something that's labeled as is, what's usually your first instinct is what's wrong with it. Right. So it's the same with a home. So it's that box, that vacuum cleaner at Target that's taped up with like blue tape. So, you know, it's not the original tape and it says as is. So your instinct is to say, well, Whose house did it vacuum? What did it not vacuum up and what pieces are missing? So it's the exact same thing with a house. When a buyer looks at a listing and it says as is, they're not saying, oh, it's been a very well cared for house and they don't want to fix anything because everything works. They think what piece is missing, what is broke, and what is wrong with this house and what all am I going to have to do to it? And they start looking for those. And they, and they will absolutely look for it harder 
because you told it's you to have informed them that it's an as is. So are you saying, I'm just asking, mm -hmm. I don't know. Are you saying that when you list a property, even if the owner really prefers to sell it as is that it's not advantageous to market it that way? It depends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make a sign that says that well, today. It depends. It depends. I, I would say generally if our intent is to sell it as is, we're, we're going to, we're going to note that. Yeah. We're going to put it in realtor remarks on MLS. We're going to we're not necessarily going to put a big sign out front that says right, as, as is. is. That's well, and there's some there's some gamemanship there too. Right, yes. Think Strat about I love the analogy of Target and think about a car. If I'm about to buy a used car, and I open the glove box and it's still under warranty, what peace of mind do I have? Correct. Good. If I open the glove box, I see they have listed all their oil changes and all their maintenance. What peace of mind do I have? Yeah. So the right professional, when they set up as is, there's two or three traps they can set up anything from a home warranty to pre-inspection to just disclosing what has been done on the house over the last 20 years to create that perception, Shannon, of as is simply means the box was ripped, right? Yeah. Right. So there's, there's a lot of power in prep work. Absolutely. It's in the presentation. Yeah. The gamemanship is really what you're saying. And that's, that comes with strategy. Yeah. And it's amazing how many clients we walk into their house and, and their intent is I want to sell this as is. And we walk through the house and go, Why? well, your heat and air is four years old. Your roof's three years old. You've replaced your appliances, you know, cosmetically, maybe it's not the most current style so as is generally is not looked at as an issue for cosmetic issues yeah. it's looked at as an issue for functioning functioning parts of the house working parts of the house yeah. not looks yeah cosmetics so let's talk about that for a second because you're right a lot of people think I want to sell it as is, which means I don't want to do the granite countertops mm -hmm. and new carpet and new paint and all these things. So Shannon, can someone who has a house that's structurally sound, good bones, mm -hmm. sell it without having to do all of those cosmetic things that they see on HGTV? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's where, when you're looking at, that's not an as is situation. That's about pricing. That's about looking at the neighborhood and what the condition and the sales and the comparable activity in the neighborhood is that you're then trying to compare apples and apples and apples within that neighborhood. Does, is everyone in your neighborhood um, HGTV ready? Have they all renovated and you've not? Well, then you can still sell, but you, your price may be lower because you are leaving enough room for that new buyer to come in and do those improvements themselves. Yeah. If everyone in your neighborhood has not renovated or most of them have not, you've got good comps that, well, that house looks just like mine. Actually, she has the exact same wallpaper in her bathroom as I do. In her household for this amount of money, it gives you a better idea of what your house is going to sell for sure. because you're comparing apples and apples. Sure. And then that's not about as is. When your ins inspectors cannot say that is the ugliest, okay, now you need to know this. I love the dog. There's a dog wallpaper in the bathroom. I may not have it personally, but it's very cute. But they had the inspectors not going to say that's the most hideous wallpaper in your bathroom. You have to change it because it breaks the bathroom. It doesn't break the bathroom. It does not pertain to the function of the house. Now, Chris, you talked about earlier when we were prepping the swing. So what Shannon's no. referring to, kind of talk about that. Exactly. Well, what she's talking about is if you go into a neighborhood, and, and I'm just going to pull numbers from the air, but if you go into the neighborhood and their homes are 2,000 to 2,500 square feet, 
and they sell between 200 and $250,000. So that's between 100 and $250, uh, 100 and $150 foot. So if you're looking at all of that and you're saying, okay, what really, if I go in and invest 15 or $20,000 in updating the house, meaning putting in the paint, putting in the countertops, doing those things, am I going to get the money out of it? And a lot of times, it really in most neighborhoods, there's no value return to you to do that. There are some neighborhoods that absolutely, and the best example I know off the top of my head is Belle Isle here in Oklahoma City. In Belle Isle, if you can buy a house that needs all of that and pay a low, uh, their, their low comp for it, you can do all of that and there can be profit left over for you to make. As an investor as or a an, homeowner. As an investor or a homeowner, either one. So that's really where you need to see. But for the most part, the bottom number and the top number of houses that have not updated and updated, it's the cost to do the update. So therefore, in the end, you can do the work. The house may sell a little faster, which is wonderful. But if you've just spent five or six weeks doing that, did it really sell any faster by doing the work? If you had priced it right at, it, at the point it looked before you painted it, put new carpeting in, and you priced it with those improvements knowing they need to be made in mind with your price, then you could have saved the five weeks and not had to put the money in and gambled that you may not get that money back. Yeah. Now you make our job easier as realtors to sell it when it's all redone that way. Mm -hmm. And we may make a little more money, but it's not necessarily in your best interest to do that. So Mark. yeah, Mark, do some agents recommend doing all that stuff and some agents don't recommend doing all that stuff? And what makes the difference between the, the advice given based on a professional standpoint? Oh, we can't hear you. You got to unmute. Yeah. I was trying to help with the sound. There's this range where houses sell in the neighborhood. You know, you know, it's a scale of one to 10. And if you really want to sell at a 10, then you're going to talk to your real estate professional and you're going to talk about what are the things that make me the shiny penny. We all go to the fruit store and there's a big pile of apples and where tendency is to grab the prettiest apple. And so there's, there's some realtors that work that way. There's some people that again say, I just need to go. I have something I need to do. And so they're going to sell, and Shannon said, price fixes all of that. And they're very true. I will tell you very honestly, back when I was selling, one of my favorite ahas was I had a lady that just was really insistent, Shannon, on carpeting two of rooms in her house before we listed it. And the people that bought it upon inspection said, it's a shame they have this new carpet in it. We're going to pull it up and put in hardwoods. Yeah. Yeah. I've had buyers walk out of homes that have new carpet because they don't like the new carpet and they think it's wasteful to pull that brand new carpet out. Um, so they'll say, well, let's just keep looking because we'd rather find a house that we can put the flooring in that we want to put in. Yeah. It's about matching the consumer with the house, right? Mm -hmm. People think that we have some sort of magic wand in real estate, right? Where we can do what we do and sell a house. But in reality, there's got to be, it's a matching process, it's right? Matching. It's a matching process. Okay. So I'm going to move on to a, another topic and that is really hot these days and that is investors. Mm -hmm. So a lot of folks on this uh, call today are curious about these postcards and door knocks and phone calls and text messages and God knows whatever else they're getting that say, we will buy your house for cash. We'll close it in two weeks, no closing costs, and we'll give you the top dollar for your neighborhood. And people are going, hmm, that sounds pretty good. 
what's the catch? That's the question. Who wants to take that one? Well, I mean, there's always a catch because the catch is, is they're trying to make it, they're going to turn around and make money off of whether they're going to resell it as it is or whether they're going to fix it up and resell it. Uh, that is the intent of that investor and that's part of their economic model and buying. So are they really paying top dollar for that house? That's the question I want to know. So the question is, is are they paying top dollar for the condition that it's in? There you go. That's the better, more specific right. question. And the answer is sometimes. And a lot of times not. A lot of times they're trying to pay the least mm -hmm. amount they can so they can maximize their return later. It's called investment. Yeah, I mean, they're, it's they're, a business. they're, it's a they're, business. they're making their own money off of yeah. doing that. Yeah. The question is, is, is that price work for you? And is that the best time use and money yeah. of yours? If, if you're ready to be done, then, then maybe it's a great solution. However, there are several challenges that come with that that a lot of people don't realize. Give an example. We had one. Recently. We had one last summer. He, he, we talked to him. He said, "You know what? I think I, I think I'm gonna try to sell it myself." He tried to sell it himself. It's a big house in Heritage Hills. He had a contract on it from an investor. The investor, we, they went on almost six sixty days. They they basically said thirty, forty five, and then at sixty days, he canceled and walked away. Who did the buyer? The seller. Oh. The seller did it because the buyer was just trying to string them along so they could find someone else to pay them for the contract. So is that what they call wholesaling? They, exactly, they were attempting to basically, I'm gonna contract with you, Mr. Seller, at, at 200,000, and I'm gonna sell this contract to Joe over here for 220, they're gonna pay me the $20,000 and pay you the 200 to walk away. And they really had no investment in it. The downside of it is, is they probably didn't even have the money to buy your house. Well, that's what I'm wondering. So here's my, you know, the advocate in me says, did the guy selling the house know that that was their intention when they contracted? Oh, absolutely it? not. He, he, was, he, he didn't know why it wasn't closing. He kept calling the title company saying, when are we going to do this? And they said, well, this buyer's not ready. Well, the buyer's not ready because the buyer's unable to. And that's the hard part about a consumer not realizing what questions you need to ask, what proof of funds you need to get you know, prove to me that you can buy my house right. at this price. And if this isn't going to cut it, right? The handshake oh, oh, this, deal. This is a joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what they do is they come in and they say, you've got my word and we're going to close on this house. And this is what we're exactly. doing. Shannon, you had something you want to add there? It, it, it's about proof of funds. It's about being able to prove that you're a valid buyer. Right. Now, in the, in the circumstances we're in now, right. you have lost a lot of what we call the looky-loos, or I call the looky-loos. Those people who enjoy their, their Sunday afternoon going and looking yeah. at open houses. Right. That is ended right now. So the people you have are traditionally right now are, are all real buyers. They're pre-qualified, they're ready. They need a house. They need a house, they need to move. They would not be moving right now if they did not need to move. Well, but one second here. Is it the people that are walking into your for sale by owner, they've probably not been qualified. They right. may not have been to a lender right. yet. If they're That's walking right. in with a realtor, then, then we know then that know they've that been they're qualified they're and all of that. So keep in mind, your looky losers are still out there. They're just limiting their resources of what they can right. go looky. Because realtors at. won't talk to them. Right. <laughs> right now. Or we're asking them the question. No, no, that's, that's where I was going is that, uh, that the real estate professional is now protecting and has all along ensured that who we're bringing you is a valid buyer, a qualified buyer. I would not consider an offer, a full offer, unless I know that they have proof that they can the pay for this house. Yeah. If that is cash proof, if that is a lender qualification proof, 
those have to be provided for a complete offer. So we're doing that vetting for you. Mark, you know, um, I want to pitch this question to you because as real estate agents, uh, we're required by law to disclose that we are real estate licensed uh, if we make a, an offer on a house. And uh, recently there were some articles in the newspaper that I was curious about and I was speaking with someone who was privy to those and found out that there were people making offers like we're talking about cash, closing quickly, etc. that were in the real estate business. And what was interesting is they weren't disclosing that somewhere, somewhere, but they were going to talk to people. And then what the people would say is, oh, that offer's too low. I'm not going to accept that offer. And the realtor would say, oh, well, then we'll just list your house and put it on the market. So they were using these offers as a lead generation tool to kind of find out who was ready to sell and who wasn't. Is that ethical? If so, tell us why. And if not, what is your take on that? Well, the standard and, and every, every professional has some kind of standard and the standard is fair dealing with the public. At the end of the day, fair dealing with the public. And that usually means when in doubt disclose. Mm -hmm. And certainly that lack of disclosure would tell me not being privy to all the details, but anytime that a realtor, the realtor can't take their hat off, it's stuck on. And so when they get into a relationship, they are the professional. And if they didn't act in a professional manner, then you, the obvious second question is, what else aren't they telling me? Right, yeah. So it, I would say to the audience out there, if someone has made that offer to you and they have a real estate license uh, and they've disclosed that, mm -hmm then you, you probably, would you say that they, they need to get at least get a second opinion to make sure Absolutely. that they're getting yeah. the best possible offer? Because like you said, well, sometimes they are and sometimes they're well, not. Well, it's kind of like the deal you walked into a year or more ago. Yeah. Literally the client said, well, I've got someone down the street who's remodeling a house and made me an offer of X. And I don't remember the yeah. numbers from what you said, but, but she literally took the numbers of what they said and said, okay, here's what they're saying. Here's what I'm telling you that I think it would sell for. And your net is almost the same. So. Take it. Take, take it. it. Yeah. Take it and run. And, and, and because there are people out there that do have that good right. fair dealing. And at the same point for your benefit, get a second opinion to look at that and say, Hey, because you may get that second opinion and we go, well, you know, yeah. we may be able to net you seven or eight, $10,000 more. And you may say, you know what, I'm really good with this amount and I'm going to go ahead and move forward right. here. And that's great too. Yeah. It's about choices. Right? It's about choices. Um, it's about yeah. 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 Right. Our, our seller is about to write their next chapter of their life and we want it to be their best chapter. So the real question is, does this give me enough money to set me free to go do what I desire to do? Right. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes two or $3,000 isn't worth uh, negotiating over for some people and for other people, it can mean a lot. So it, it really depends on their goal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now Shannon, um, we had a house this past year and I, I can't remember which one of you dealt with it. So I shouldn't say Shannon, maybe be more cursed. We had one where they wanted to sell as is, and it was in a really hot little area um, over by Bishop McGinnis mm -hmm. high school. Yeah. And we put it on, isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. We put it on the uh, market and you guys basically took offers over a weekend. So, so what was nice was the seller was going to take a cruise. Seller yeah. was going to be gone for 10 days. So we literally put it active the day he left. And we said in our disclosure of, of, to the public of what we we're doing is sellers out of town, uncommunicated for the next 10 days, please bring your highest and best offer. We're going to open all offers on whatever that day he returned was. Um, and, and that was a great thing. It was a hot little area. Empty house. Empty house. Uh, empty. Yeah, at that point it was empty. Yeah. And so it was going to be a, a pretty straightforward deal 
And we knew we would get more than list price just because where we priced it at and what the neighborhood would do. Our, our goal was to incite excitement and bidding, so to speak, almost making an auction out of it, but not really. Uh, we ended up selling that. We ended up getting an offer for $30,000 over what we were asking. Um, and that ended up not really in, even being the best offer because they turned around and did inspections, which was great. And then asked for things. <laughs> <laughs> even it's, though we had all those, other even offers. though that it was all those other offers and we said as is, and it was like, and, and literally the second best was $10,000 less. But once you take out what they asked for, and the second best was a neighbor's friend that they, that the homeowner had known for decades, it was less money to him. He said, you know what, let's go back and take that other offer that was less because of the attachment of who it was. And he was irritated they were asking for repairs. That's right. They, <laughs> they broke the deal broke in his mind. In right. a lot of ways they did because it wasn't as his deal. Right. He wrote as is in the contract. And so that buyer then came back to us afterwards after we basically said that the original high, high buyer and said, no, no, we'll pay him whatever, whatever we've got to pay to do it. It's like, well, it's too late now. He's emotionally attached to the other buyer and all because they didn't follow the agreement. Right. So yeah. They broke the deal. They broke the trust. Mm -hmm. They yeah. broke the trust. Exactly. So there are lots of moving parts to that. I, I forgot about the end of that story. Mm -hmm. So that's good to know. I forgot about that. But I think really what I wanted to point out is the whole as is thing. Sometimes putting it on the market instead of selling it to the investor buyer mm -hmm. with one offer really tells you what the market will bear. Correct. Right. Because multiple people are saying this is what I'm willing to give for it. Um, There's something I wanted to ask, and, and Mark and um, Chris can probably chime in on this as well. I know that often I will get asked from my clients, I've gotten these cards, I'm getting this text, I'm getting these phone calls. Yeah. I think they're just circling me. Why have they picked me out in my neighborhood? Yeah. Um, so I do want to kind of hit yeah. that really quickly. Have they been targeted? Have they been targeted? So Chris, have they been targeted? Well, you know, you've actually gotten those phone calls. Yes, no, I have. And how long have you been in your house? 10 years. So I would say they're probably looking at time frame in house as much as they're looking at anything else. Because what we look at traditionally, five, eight years ago, the average time someone owned a house was seven years. That has moved to now 10 yeah, years. Yeah. Can you confirm that, Mark? Because yeah, I believe true. that's about 10 now. And so because of that, they're looking at that saying, hey, this is someone who's been in their house 10 years. They're probably looking at maybe making a move. So let's go ahead and, and, and reach out to them and see if we can get that. Mail. And they can buy lists. Correct. They, they can, do buy lists. Yeah. And they will do it by zip code, by neighborhood, by addition. So be aware of that. So don't, I know a lot of my clients feel right. very um, special. Well, well, no, not really good special. Oh, not <laughs> it's not necessarily good special. <laughs> Scared special sometimes. Oh. How did they get this information? Yeah. Right. Has, do I have a mini stalker? looking right. at well it, and, and it's not it, well the other side of that is it they they get confused of how they get the information if you've got your home in a trust and you go well how do they know i have that it's public record public right. it's right. also public record when you mm -hmm. bought it so that's where they're getting that information so don't don't be bothered by that other than the fact that it's just public record yeah okay. um so all right so i think that i think we covered all that mm -hmm. right all right so i'm gonna just um so let me look at my list here. And then what we're going to do is field some questions. And I have a couple of questions that have already been uh, sent to me. So if you have questions at this point, go ahead and send them via chat. And Naomi will send them to me. The first question I got is, um, 
I do I need to do I need to recarpet to resell? I've been told by two agents that I need to replace it. Now we kind of touched on this earlier, but Shannon, are there some circumstances where carpet should absolutely be replaced or absolutely not? Or is it always it depends? It well, there are some situations where it needs to be replaced, and that's if it's not there. So okay. cement floor. So if you have pulled up the carpet, being proactive, thinking right. at some point, I'm going to replace this carpet in maybe a year, two right. years have gone right. by. And, and yet a teenager and it, in that bedroom. Yes, or a dog or whatever, <laughs> right. um, or just life. Yeah. Um, and you have pulled that up and there is nothing there, then I will tell you that does need to be replaced. Right. Um, because you're going to limit your buyers and the buyer's pool if there's not flooring on the floor. Because FHA won't approve it. Correct. VA won't. Or VA will not okay. approve it. Second is if it is a safety issue. So if you have old carpet that may have a large um, rip in it mm -hmm. and it's a tripping hazard, again, that would be something that we may discuss that needs to be maybe replaced but maybe repaired. So it may not be something that has to be replaced for $1,500. We can call a gentleman out who takes mm -hmm. care of stretching for us and repairs and he can repair it for a hundred dollars yeah. and then price it accordingly and let somebody pick the right carpet so does it depend on price point yes does, is price point kind competition. of competition 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 yeah the competition and, and i would tell you i think shannon is right on i think if you have an issue in your home people buy with their five senses mm -hmm. if it offends more than two senses it probably needs to be dealt with that's a really good benchmark. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Yeah. Specifically to that issue, yeah. you can set up a carpet allowance. You can let people know that there's a carpet allowance. You're more athletic if you have that money in reserve because if carpet's not important to them, but a quarter of a shea is, all of a sudden we might still have the money to deal with it. So Especially it's all about having a, a professional that's been down this path before yeah. that knows what your options are and can keep you in the process proactively. All right. And old worn carpet is not as offensive as old, dirty, torn, worn carpet. Sure. So sure. it is about right. presentation. Now I'm going to put a caveat out there because as I as we say this, I just imagine in my mind people calling their carpet people and having carpet put in that they like. Yeah, let's Shannon, what happens when they go in? And I had a client years ago that put in beautiful dark blue, about the color of your shirt carpet and it was high-end carpet but it was dark blue and the current trends at the time were berber speckled earth tones what would you say about if you're going to do it um if you're so, going to I, go ahead so I, I i'm going to stop this here because my question is is when are you going to sell yeah yeah because if you're not going to sell for five years and you want the dark blue carpet Buy it. do it mm -hmm. But if you're going to sell next month, next month, month, next six months, maybe even the next year, then Shannon go. Well, then you look at what you want, how long you're going to be there, and you look at at the trends at that point. And I'm going to tell you, I would ask the the carpet professionals. They know what's selling. Yeah. They know what the trends are even better than we do. Sure. Um, so that is a really good question to ask them. Say, I'm going to be planning on selling my home in the next year which of these is the most popular would you recommend and they should and come to your house 
Yes. And look, I tell you, and we have carpet people that mm-hmm. you recommend Absolutely. that do mm-hmm. that. They do, do that. that. Well, and we've got yeah. a designer that will actually come out for a couple hundred bucks and say, hey, if you're going to get serious about this, let's do this, this, and this in these areas. And she knows that it's about how do we keep the budget low enough to make it worthwhile. Right. It's not about how we can make a huge budget out of this and still right. get the best bang for your buck. Yeah, she so knows look. you're selling yeah. it. She doesn't try to up the price. She tries to keep it where yeah. you get a return. It's always about return on investment. So it's how long are you going to use it? So you're getting your use out of it. And then are you returning your investment after that? Yeah. Those are yeah. the two parts of the equation. Okay. You guys ready for another question? Mark, mm-hmm. you want to add to that? Are you ready? Okay. Um, should repiping of the plumbing be done before master bathroom is totally remodeled and made handicap accessible? Well, I hear it depends. It depends coming on this already. <laughs> but so what are some of the considerations this person might want to think about if they're it looks like they're redoing their master bathroom they're remodeling it making it handicap accessible and now keep in mind we're talking about selling a home if you're making it handicap accessible my guess is you're planning on staying put so what do you guys have to say about that so i i would lean over and say uh, you're you're talking about redoing the plumbing inside the walls so you're making an ex- very 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 extensive remodel if you've got a house that's 10 years old, 15 years old, you probably don't need to do that. If you've got a house that's 80 years old, you may want to think about doing that. But the fact is, is that most plumbing in the wall works. So why would you rip it out to put newer stuff that still works? Is it going to increase the value of the house if Zero. they sell it? None. Years? No value it, increase. It, it, no, There's, because you can list that, but they're, they they the buyer does not see that as a value. They just yeah. expect they it to have see. plumbing. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and, and the other, one of my favorites is, is that we've had this several times. People custom build a house and they go, I did two by six exterior mm-hmm. walls. I paid more to have all of that insulated and have all of that great. So it's worth a whole lot more. I, I, my question for them is, does the other house next door that doesn't have it have walls too? And well, yeah, but it's not, no, 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 no. It has walls. So your walls and their walls, you just did it nicer for you. And you've got the benefit out of that. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, the, other, the other thing that people do a lot of that we see is they go out and they replace windows. Yes. And they go out and they buy the, the $100,000 per window and put a million dollars in windows in these houses. Maybe not that much, but it's, it feels like it that. seems like it. And I look at them and go, that's great. And new windows do add a little bit of value to them. A little. But the fact is, is when I put windows, even in our own house, I go out and shop and say, this is what I got. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing it for my benefit. And it does add value, but not nearly to the value that you spend. You can't put $25,000 in windows in, put the house on the market next week and expect to get $25,000 more than every other house in your neighborhood. No, no, you you may get two or $3,000. Yes. I was going to say your return on investment for windows is under 50%. Okay. Way, 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 under, under, way under, way under, way under. It's closer to 30 and 30 to 35. Yeah. Mark, do you want to weigh in on that one? Or are we good? You're on mute still, so we can't hear you. <laughs> we'll get if the we hang of quality of life issue and it makes us happy, then we should do it. Absolutely. Life's too short to be unhappy with our house. If we're trying to do something that is a, a repair to actually increase an investment instead of having expense, we need to talk to our, our professional because everything, nothing has a hundred percent valuation and they vary from, you know, there's some things that are very smart you can do to fix up. But I think that the Shannon said, you know, it's a horse race. You're selling against your competition. So a lot of times 
you need to know what your competition has done. Well, and so that what you just said applies to this next question too, then probably. It says, can you address the topic of what repairs or updates are worth doing to actually get the cost back in a sale amount? Examples they asked are pop popcorn ceiling, dated wallpaper in the bathroom and kitchen. Kind of uh, the same answer, isn't I, it? I, yeah, I, well, I go back on, on popcorn ceiling. What's amazing to me is that seems to be a big question. But I've never seen a buyer say, I'm not buying a house because it's got popcorn ceilings. Well, I have. But, <laughs> I mean, but so, there's probably something else in the house that they wouldn't right. have bought either. And that's, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, okay, one. Yeah. So, but it's not one of those things that's going to stop the yeah. deal because it has it. So, yes, people don't care for popcorn ceilings. And it's not going to stop the house from selling. Right. Now, it goes back to his lifestyle thing. If you don't like them and you don't want them anymore. Absolutely. Change you them. change them out. Make them right. do what you want. But that's about you. It's not about resale later. Right. And a lot of these questions become is they don't become relevant until you're ready to sell your house. Right. So if you're within a year of selling your house, these are conversations we need to have. If you're 10 years from selling your house, make it your house, mm -hmm. love it, enjoy right. it, and understand that what you're putting into it is for your love right. and enjoyment. Um, guys, this is a current day question. I expected we would get it and we did. Do you recommend listing my house now or in a few months when we have clarity on COVID-19? What's the, um, before you guys answer that, because you're real estate agents and you're in the sales business. So I'm going to ask Mark, since Mark's not out there actively trying to get people to buy and sell. Mark, what's the, what's the current climate for people who do want to list and what are the stats looking like? Well, the market hasn't slowed down for us at all. It has fact, not. I just got through comparing the first quarter of 2020 to the first quarter of 2019 and we're in the exact same place we were before. Really? I think that there's a lot less noise because Shannon's favorite, the looky-loos aren't showing up. They're serious <laughs> people and simple, serious buyers. We're very secure right now that we know what the interest rates are and we don't necessarily know what they're gonna be. When you sell a house, you're gonna buy a house in the same environment, so there's some comfort there. And so I would say that uh, delay is simply a, a um, is a bad plan and most things you do. And so if you're ready to go, now's a good environment to do it. It's a safety thing, right, too. Mm -hmm. if, if you're somebody at risk, you should probably wait. Well, if you're at risk living in the house, right? we sell so many houses that people have already moved out and moved to it's their vacant. next mm -hmm. that it's vacant. So there's no, there's really no risk to you at all yeah. in that aspect if you're not going back. The, the real question comes is, do you have a place to go? Yeah. So that's always the first question we, or second question we ask is, what are your goals? And then the second is, where are you moving? Because right now, honestly, we can list your house and sell it. That's not going to be the issue. Right. The issue is where are you going to go? Yeah. Because you have to have a place to go in 30 days. And many of our senior living communities, if you're moving there, not all, but some, some. are not allowing move-ins. Mm -hmm. So if that's your end destination, we should probably hold that's off. That's part of the conversation. Yeah. 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 You've got to know where you're going. Yeah. I mean, just the, the example is uh, one yesterday went under contract and one this morning went under contract. So mm -hmm. houses sell even right. in this environment that mm -hmm. we're in. Are we doing it a little bit differently? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And it's still selling and we're still having a good market. The re even though we are stay at home safe right now, the rest, there's still parts of the world that are still moving. Sure. Parts of Oklahoma City, they're still yeah. moving. People right. are moving in, people are moving out. People are making job changes. Correct. Right now. Yeah, we've had, we have one that's moving out of the state and we have one that's moving in the state right now. 
So it is still continuing on. Yeah. Um, so there are, is still a need. And right now the inventory is low. Right. So w there We're are less them. homes on the market, but there are more buyers. This is the next question. And you might want to just continue with that. It says uh, all the last year you stated that the average time on market in Oklahoma city, and they must be coming to our seminars regularly. <laughs> uh, was 60 days on the market on average. Has this changed? If so, what is the new time on market? Mark, do you have MLS statistics on that? Yeah, if we use the average house at $250,000, $250, the average days on market is 54 days for the first quarter of this year. And houses under 250,000 is gonna yeah, be those, less. Those days on market will go down. Quicker. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, how important are Oh, this is a popcorn. Okay, so whoever it is that's caught up on popcorn ceilings right now, call Shannon this week, have her look at your house, and she will be sure to give you feedback on your popcorn ceilings. I promise you, you will be happy you did it. Okay, <laughs> next question. Do wood-looking vinyl floors sell? I'm yes. assuming you're talking about the type that aren't actually wood, but it's more of a vinyl product. It's either going to be a vinyl product or, or, or laminate product or, or porcelain product. There's, There's so many different there. options out there, but mm -hmm. the vinyl itself, uh, well, our, our son put a product like that in his house. Isn't that kind of price point uh, determined? Yes. Based on the price and value of the house would depend on where what would be appropriate for it. And they look very nice. Mark, you said it earlier. It's all about your competition. Yeah. You know, if everybody I'm competing with has uh, a upgrade counter above Formica, I'm either going to have to price around it or I'm going to have to play the game. Flooring is no different than that. Right. Doesn't so matter what kind of flooring we're talking about, right? Yeah. And again, it depends on who you are and how long you're going to be there. Because some of those are amazing. I have right. a dog and I have hardwood floors and I wish I had had those instead. Right because they're, they're very durable. easy, to, they're durable, easy to maintain. So again, you're looking at your lifestyle as well as the next person's lifestyle. Right. Uh, similar question, uh, but a little different. Hardwood floors, should you refinish oak floors or make an allowance? I'm assuming when you're asking, it's because they're either worn or need repair, uh, not because you just, because we're talking about aesthetics. It's an, it depends, would you say, or? It, yeah. it depends, absolutely, and, and uh, I, I just remodeled a house this last year where we redid the floors. It was a 1940s, 50s house mm -hmm. that had original oak wood floors. In redoing them, I was stunned at how inexpensive it was in comparison to doing anything else, uh, even really down to carpet. So it depends, but let's look at what the options are and we can give you some more feedback on your personal mm -hmm. situation. Um, because clean goes a long ways. True. Sure. Clean goes a very right. long ways when selling a house. And again, it goes back to price point and it goes back to competition, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so this says we live in a neighborhood where houses are being sold and torn down. How do tear down sales affect the sales process? Is there any way to know beforehand whether our house might be targeted as a tear down? Uh, well, we've, we've got one right now that absolutely, we're, we looked at the, what's going on in the neighborhood and we looked around what's, what's happening and we looked at the land value of just the land without the house and go, that's the most, uh, that's the best use of the property is it for it to be torn down and rebuilt on. So not knowing exactly what area you're talking about, the answer could easily be yes, what's the land value in comparison to the home value. Alone. So do you think the question is, how do we know if we price it for the house or how do we know if we price it for the lot? 
that goes back to your, the neighborhood's going to tell you that story. The market's going to tell you the story based on history. You can look at that neighborhood and again, look at, you're trying to compare apples and apples to find other homes that would be similar to that. If a home is, it kind of goes back to the carpet thing. If it's a well-maintained, lovely home, um, and it may just need slight cosmetic updates, Mm -hmm. then that home may not be torn down. Right. It may be the value of the land and the home. But if the home is um, in need of repair, cosmetically and mechanically, then there may not be enough value left in the house and all of the values in the land. So again, that's well, their individual situations, but the neighborhoods do tell the story. And as if a neighborhood's turning over from that 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 square foot house to that 5,000, right. 6,000 square foot house, because you've got a half an acre to three quarters of an acre, that's going to kind of tell you, well, this is the direction it's going. So whether I sell it for house value or sell it for lot value, mm-hmm. you, you want to sell it for whatever is the most and best use. Mm-hmm. That then becomes how you promote it. Yeah, the sure. price is really going to be the same either way. Yeah. Very close to the same either way. Yeah. It's just in how you promote it. You know, there are some people I've spoken with that are in that situation where they think, you know, because of what's going on around them, their house might sell and the person will tear it down. Mm-hmm. And that terrifies them. Like it, they don't, it's not about the money for them. It's about seeing somebody bulldoze their home of 50 years. And so they don't want to sell their house to someone who's going to bulldoze it. Can you keep from somebody from bulldozing your house if you're selling it? I mean, well, you don't sell it. You just don't sell it. it. You can't control what somebody else does once they own it. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. I mean, we could go down a whole path of deed restrictions and things along those lines. But for the most part, if you don't want it tore down, don't sell it. Yeah. If that's the neighborhood and the way it's going. Okay, so last couple of questions, unless Naomi sends me any more here. Um, we live, uh, oh, what? Okay, so I, this, remember, this, the topic of today is the truth about selling a home as is, right? Sometimes these questions, because the person doesn't specify, I'm not sure if they're asking because they just want to know if they're remodeling or if they want to know if they're reselling. So just I'm prefacing it with that. If you have a limited budget, what changes would you suggest be made regarding cosmetic changes? Now, I'm going to say, if you're selling it. If you're selling it, it depends. If you're going to stay in it. It depends. Well, if you're going to stay in it, you do what you want. But if you're looking at resale, it really depends. And it would be something that I can't give you an answer from sitting here. You know what's funny is many times I hear you guys talk to people and you hear, I hear, I hear you say, don't do anything. I know you want to recarpet and I know you think you want to paint. And I know you think you want to do And that's do the hardest things. thing. It's harder for people to do nothing than to do something. Yeah. Sometimes they're disappointed when I walk out of the consultation with them. And I reduce their list. Nine times out of ten, I reduce their list. Right. And that's harder than doing right. something and so getting this, the list long. That's this person needs to talk to somebody in front of their house, looking at their house. These are questions, you guys, that just can't be answered for you without seeing your current scenario. Mark, you wanted to add to that? Yeah, I think generically, just because I want to make sure they go home with something, right. is I'll just be honest, it takes three whiles to sell a house. Oh, there you go. And so you have to look at your property and say, what was it about this house when I bought it, when I built it, when I got it, that I thought was a wow. I think usually there's an exterior wow that makes people want to stop and come inside. And then there's two other wows. So there again, we sometimes think when we grab a professional like you have on the stage that they're just along for the ride with us. Well, they've been down that path before. And so they're really able to help you give some great guidance. 
I think that's why we're consultants and not salespeople. But mm -hmm. I would just say on a standard basis, if you can create three wows in your home, you can sell it. Yeah, and sometimes those have anything to do with remodeling. They have to do with staging. Location. Mm -hmm. Yeah, arrangement, uh, mail. It could have a lot to do with things that you don't have to even spend money on, right? right. Yeah. This one you guys can answer. I, I'm confident that we have the answer to this one. Our roof is 22 years old. The insurance company has inspected it three times and refuses to pay for the replacement. Now they are offering $5,000, but replacement would cost 12,000. What should we do if we want to move this summer? So <laughs> apparently I get this one. <laughs> What I would do first of all is I would get a roofing professional out there and we use, we use a roofing professional. He's going to go out, he's going to walk the roof. He's going to become an advocate for you. If your house has significant hail damage, which is what we're looking at in Oklahoma. And we've had a storm in a lot of time frame that works for them. So if the insurance company has been out there and keeps telling you, no, are they telling you no, because there's no, hail damage or are they telling you no because it's an old roof so mark you've got a little bit of uh, roofing experience in your background add to that well everybody is contractually bound and, and what you have to decide is how is your insurance company contractually bound to you and if they're contractually bound to you based on your payments to them in your in your insurance policy that there to cover some percentage or all percentage of hail damage, then a roofing professional just needs to tie the hail storm to that and show the hail hits. So I think that it's, once again, you got to get a professional on your side. And I've said that a lot with for sale by owners, you need a realtor on your side. When you're working with investors, you need a realtor on your side. When you're working with the insurance company, their job is to not buy the roof. You need a professional that can help get it bought. And I think that we vetted out, Shannon, a lot of great professionals that can lend an ear and pay that, provide that service. Yeah, just reach out and call us and I'll, I'll get you some information on that. I'm happy to pass that on to you and we can get you connected. You know, it's very similar to health insurance claims. When someone makes a health insurance claim, it's almost always denied the first time. Um, and so you have to go back and you have to fight to get that approved. And so any insurance company is not going to want to pay if they don't have to. And if they tell you no enough times and you quit, then they're happy. They won. So if you have a roofer or somebody in the industry saying that this is part of your contract, then like Mark said, that's your advocate. Um, well, basically. And, and the other side is the roofer may go out and look at it and go, yeah, you've got an old roof and give you an honest answer. And at least then you've got a second opinion mm -hmm. based around that. And most roofers want to re-roof your house. That's how they make a living. So if they can find a way that makes it, makes it work for them to get to re-roof your house and it be bought by the insurance company, they're going to absolutely do it. So you've got an advocate there. Can we talk about roofs for a second? I know this is a hot topic in Oklahoma. It may not be around the rest of the country, but roofs are a big deal here because mm -hmm. most people have comp shingled roofs, right? With the mm -hmm. little, little uh, what are they called? Granules. Granulars, yeah. People will have a tendency that, like the window scenario you gave, they'll go in and they'll go to get a new roof and they'll, the roofer will tell them that you can buy a 50-year insured roof, right? 50-year mm -hmm. warrantied roof, or you can buy this one. And they go with the high-end upgraded shingles. Is that a good investment for somebody? Let's say this person who's saying they're going to move this summer, they end up replacing their roof. 
and they can go with the regular roof or they can go with the 50-year shingle. What's your guys' take on that? I'm curious. Okay, so his example earlier about the walls. Yeah. I had I was a brand new realtor and I had a house that the wonderful man bought it, but we were the buyer and they had a brand new roof put on prior to us moving in. It was a high-end, high-impact. shingle. It yeah. was good. I mean, it was high dollar. Mm -hmm. And so we were having issues with the appraisal because it was not meeting appraisal. So we went out and said, look, they just spent $45,000, however much it was, on this roof. Here's the receipt. The appraiser looked at it and said, that's nice. He said, but all houses have roofs. He said, does not improve the value of that house because they have to have a roof. So be aware that... Right it may not improve the value of your house. Well, in the appraiser, it's a funny word. Value is a funny word. I am the, not denying that a forever roof isn't cool, but the appraiser won't give it additional uh, pricing. And that means the collateral does not have additional pricing. And that means the loan will not be adjusted. If you yeah. have a guy with a briefcase full of cash and he wants a roof he never has to worry about again, then he might pay for it. But what you've done when you do that kind of thing and you try to value it, you're shrinking your potential buyer pool so small that it's a forever on the market. And that's the challenge. It has to be the person from California who has more money than they know what to do with and doesn't hire anybody. To get, I mean, if I hear that once, I've heard it a million times. People say, well, I need a California buyer. Well, they act like California buyers don't have a brain. And maybe some of them don't, but I know a lot of them who do. And so therefore, you know, they're not going to spend money that they don't need to spend. Mm -hmm. But even you've told me before, a 50 year roof in Oklahoma doesn't mean it's a 50 year roof, well, right? It, and that's the whole point is, is last I checked, we still have hailstorms mm -hmm. somewhat regularly. You know, it actually has been a couple of years since we've had a really significant one, but a 30 year comp shingle roof that looks very nice is nine times out of 10 going to be replaced by an insurance company. It's going to be replaced by an insurance company from damage from a hailstorm. So keep in mind that unless you're looking for an architectural feature, we were we were actually walking around our condo a, a week a ago. Or so, right? Yeah, and I look at this roof behind us that I'd never noticed before, and go, is that roof bad? It actually like like a bad roof, or is that just the look of the roof? Right. Because it looked like it was all curling up and everything, and I think it was actually just an architectural look of a roof. And I'm like, going, that looks awful. <laughs> But they paid probably a fortune to have that look and feel. And that's great. But it's not going to add necessarily yeah. value to the house. Matter of fact, it turned us off. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I looked at that and said, that needs to be replaced. But, but the fact is, is, it's not my house. I didn't buy it. Yeah. But if you look at a house and a roof in Oklahoma, the other side of it is, is to make sure that you have full replacement value on your roof, number one, not actual cash value full replacement value and that's an insurance question that you need to ask your insurance guy or girl whoever that is and then from there is that if we have a hailstorm anywhere within five or ten miles of you at least annually have a roofer walk your roof because what happens is is that we have a hailstorm five years ago your, your roof's totaled it's not leaking but it's totaled by insurance standards and the insurance company said, well, that hailstorm was five years ago. I, you should have called me five years ago to replace that. And that's where you run into your problem is most people don't or aren't educated to know that their insurance company is not on their side. They're on the insurance company's side. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to have it looked at fairly regularly in Oklahoma by a roofer. Now, if and our... Leaks are not your indicator. And leaks, leaks yeah. Are leaks are not, are not relevant. If you hit leaks, you're way, way beyond yeah. it. Yeah. 
Now, in fairness, we have an insurance agent that if people listening today mm -hmm. would say, I'm on your side, Nikki. He does advocate for us. Well, our, our, your agent yeah. does. Your agent, mm -hmm. not the insurance company. company. Not the They're adjuster. Right. Yeah, just be clear. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Okay, so I think, Naomi, unless you've sent me some new questions, I feel like I'm out of questions. So I'm going to give you a second to update me just in case. While I'm doing that, I'd like for all three of you to share what advice would you give to people that are thinking about selling their home and I'm going to I'm going to give you very specific parameters they're thinking about selling their home as is in the next year okay they're as is in the next year what either caveats or pitfalls would you like for them to avoid what advice would you give to them as they prepare for that as is sale in the next year and if you need to preface it with you know depending on where they live and all that you can do that someone who's planning to move in the next year and sell as is i highly recommend that they take a professional if not one more than one real estate professional and come and help you make your list so you make your own list so kind of like when you make your christmas list i make my christmas list in september and it's long and then I begin to narrow it down based on budget. And then if someone makes me mad, they may get marked off. But ultimately, you're making a list. So, so I've got to be nice from September, September to December. To December. Yeah, that's it. That's nice it. Well, November, because I'll be done by November. Okay. Um, so at least I'm honest. Um, so you want to make your list. But before you begin to act on that list, get, a, get more information. Right. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm saying and that the consultation is no obligation. Um, as realtors, you're not wasting our time. It's about relationships. Right. It's about Especially education. Especially people that mm -hmm. come to our seminar. Absolutely. That's, that's what Absolutely. we do. That's favorites. what we do. Um, we want to have that conversation. Our goal is to help you make it simpler. We can't make it easy, but we can make it simpler. And that's our goal. Okay. Advice, consult, what would you say? Uh, I would look at that if your intent is to sell as is in the next year, enjoy your house. Mm. And then when you're three, four, five months out, maybe, we need to talk. And then we may need to, if you want a second opinion, we'll need to get that arranged for you to get a second opinion in there. But right now, if your entire intent is to sell as is, there isn't a whole lot to do other than enjoy. Now, the problem is, is you're planning on selling as is, if your hot water tank goes out, you're probably gonna have to replace it. Yeah. Uh, if your roof starts leaking and has hail damage, you're probably gonna have to replace it. So keep in mind that doesn't necessarily, your intent of as is doesn't necessarily stop maintaining. Mm -hmm. You're still going to have to take care of yeah. some of those things. It just means you don't need to go carpeting and no, no, right no, no carpet, no paint, none yeah. of that fun stuff. Mark, well, as a senior, people seem to tell me all the time things that are in my best interest, and I think I'm full grown and I probably figured it out. But I will tell you, sometimes impulses create certain results. When you're looking to do something as is, it's because you're trying to save some effort or save some expenses, and when you're doing that, there's certain good things that can happen, and we want to have good things to happen, but there's also some predator things that can happen. And, and there's just a couple of things you have to watch out for. Full grown people know if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Mm -hmm. I see some really good programs that, that if everything works right and everything's okay, it comes out in the end, but what happens if it doesn't? And I'll give you an example. Uh, a lot of large franchises, including Keller Williams, we're looking at everything from iBuyer programs to expense advances. And, and you talk to a realtor and say, well, I'm going to come in there and do all this stuff for you. Then we'll sell it and you can just pay me back. Well, what happens if it doesn't sell? 
because the devil's in the details. So just know is we worked hard to get to be where we are and we need to continue using common sense even through this process. And just know that uh, if it doesn't make sense, it probably doesn't. And you need to be really careful because everybody's in it trying to take an advantage from their perspective. And if their perspective is really skewed from your goal, you can get taken advantage of. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I might add to that as I was listening to all of you, I think is that if you have someone come in to give you a consultation, as Shannon mentioned, and the first thing they do is start telling you what you should do to your house, then be cautious. Because the first thing somebody should do is ask you, what is your goal? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because like Shannon said, it depends. Mm -hmm. And so if your goal is to move or if your goal is to stay put, then the advice is going to be different. Mm -hmm. um, so very important that the person, I had a lady years ago that had gone in before me when I was in Austin selling houses. And I didn't know that she had met with another agent before me, but I got to the door and I knocked on the door and she answered and I said, Oh, I'm Nikki. It's nice to meet you. And she said, well, I hope you're not like that other realtor. And I said, well, I sure I'm not. What was she like? <laughs> you know? and, uh, and she told me as she let me in, she said, well, the first thing she did was she said, I have to take those drapes down. And do you know how much money I paid for those drapes? And she said, I have to do this and that and the other. And I said, well, what did you do? And she said, well, I told her she could leave. And so I sat down with this woman and we spent the better part of an hour and a half talking about what she did want and what she didn't want to do and what was important to her and what wasn't important to her. And she said, well, you're not at all like that other realtor. And I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, so my point in saying that is sometimes realtors are busy. They're in a hurry. Um, they kind of have a narrow focus on what they're trying to accomplish and they're not thinking. And, um, and I'm not saying that's never happened to me. I can sometimes right, be in a hurry. But I think, Shannon, the goal is to sit down and have a conversation with somebody. And if they're not interested in what it is you're trying to accomplish and all they're interested in is what they think you should do, then like Mark said, you're a grown person. You know that that's probably not a good fit for you. So talking to a couple, three realtors is not a bad idea. Just like talking to a couple, three, um, you know, uh, doctors if you have a, met, a procedure that you need to do. Um, so, um, Last question. I know we said we were out of time, but I, I don't want to leave this person hanging. It says, it sounds like as is, is just like any other listing. What is the advantage of not selling as is? So I'm an, I'll, I'll, I'll grab that because okay. not selling as is means you're doing some repair, maintenance, upkeep, updating, and, and that the only benefit of that is if your neighborhood and the houses around you have done that and you can spend the money to do it and it gives you a return. So if you're going to spend $20,000, then is it going to return to you 30 or 40 to do that? That's the question. So 90, well, most all of our clients, it's, it's as is. We're not going in and doing much work to it. If it's got holes in the carpet and things like that, maybe we're replacing carpet. If it's, but, but that's really more of a maintenance issue than an actual update or cosmetic issue. But so. when you say that as is, we're saying that to you, we're not advertising it. I can't think of the last, well, 
we've had one house in the last six months that we've advertised as is. Well, that's the one we talked about with the roof right. issue. Yeah, that's it. And but, it was, but the yeah. rest of them are as is, but we don't advertise them that way. We, that we way. price them that way and we negotiate them that way. Yeah. We're minimizing them. Now, now uh, the yeah. other side of it is, is that we don't go real crazy on the as is part of it. When we come to inspections, we try to make sure that our clients understand that as we walk through your house and we'll see things that may pop up on an inspection, uh, well, I, I, we walked through a house that we sold about a year ago and they were concerned because they'd had some work, peering work done on one side or one area. And I still go look at it and I walk around and, and I learned this years and years ago is that I, I actually push on your brick veneer as I walk down the wall and it moves sometimes. And it really caught them way off guard when I pushed their wall and you could hear it tapping the, the wood at the top and they're going, that's not supposed to do that. I said, it's not supposed to do that, but it's not necessarily an expensive fix. So, but it's things that happen when houses move as those brick ties come loose. And so I walked the whole house and did that and I go, well, you know, we're going to have probably going to have to deal with this. This is going to be, I think I said $1,500 to $2,500 when it comes down to it. So that didn't sell as is, but we were able to prep them and let them know, here's our expectations of what's going to happen. We're going to do our best to lay out to you when we list the house, what's going to happen they're going to do inspections and they're going to find probably these major issues. If any, we may not notice anything and we may be surprised later when they come back and say, uh, well, in a house I sold recently, they came back with an engineer's report that says that it was a conventional Ford house. They need to support this back area and add a beam yeah. across the bottom. I'm like going, what, where'd that come from? And it's a house that, that we own that we were sell reselling. So, you know, it, it's even a surprise to me when I do it sometimes, but for the most part, we've got a good idea of what's going to happen. I would say, you know, based on what I'm listening to, so it makes me very proud, first of all, to be in business with you guys and with you, Mark, and that is that you know, sometimes there's a benefit to having multiple perspectives, right? I mean, listen, it, matter of fact, if you were to hear us sit in a room sometimes and talk about what should be done about certain scenarios, it's hilarious because we've all got different strategies, opinions, perspectives about how it should be done. And wouldn't it be nice? Now you don't want too many because then it's hard to choose. But if you have two or three options that are laid in front of you that are all acceptable options and you get to choose the one that best suits you and your level of risk and your budget and so on, then that's way better than one opinion based on somebody else's agenda. Yeah, or that so. you may not feel comfortable with. Or that and, you don't and we'll do our absolute best to bring you two yeah. great solid answers mm -hmm. to what can be done. You can do this or you can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. we don't want to get into the weeds where we have that three, four, five, six different options. Cause there's always those options, yeah. but we want to bring to you, what are your the best, best the one best. or mm -hmm. two options? Yeah. Mark? Yeah. And what that boils down to is we always look at the current environment we're in. What's going on with the sale of oil? What's going on with the pandemic? What's going on here and there? So we couch the environment for you. And what we know is a fact, there's a range in which homes will sell in a given area. And you can, and the first two that sell are usually the best and the cheapest. So once right. we establish that parameter for you, then we decide what as is means to us, what repairs have to get. So we fall in the range you want to, so that your time standard is met. It sells at the time you want it to, and you've set yourself free with enough money to go write the next chapter of your life. Guys, I think that brings us to a conclusion. All the questions have been answered that I can see here. A um, couple of little quick housekeeping items for those of you that joined us today. Thank you for being here. Um, we can't see you, but we know you're there. And so we blow you kisses and give you virtual hugs. 
The other thing is uh, we're going to be posting this on our Facebook page uh, online. So you can go to Buckley Realty Group Facebook page. You can also go to Senior Living Truth Series Facebook page. We also post it on our website, SeniorLivingTruthSeries.com. And if you don't know this, guys, that all of the videos that we do of our seminars, the live seminars, are on that page, SeniorLivingTruthSeries.com. And down towards the bottom, you'll see no, a little we've, screen. We've moved it. It's, oh, now, it's now above the registration. The so that way, if you scroll down to register, you will have already passed Perfect. the video. So you've got the video yeah. there. The other thing that you've not brought up yet what? is podcast. Podcast. I was going to talk about podcasts. <laughs> Many of you have asked about the audio replay. Like you don't want to sit in front of a computer on your phone watching the video. You just want to hear the audio. So Chris and Naomi have been diligently working on putting the audio in a format that you can literally listen to with your headphones on your phone or however you, you listen to podcasts, audio listening. And we're going to be sending, how are we going to get them that information? Well, you, you, right now you can go to, if you've got an iPhone, you can go to a podcast on your iPhone that's an app that comes with your phone. Go search Senior Living Truth Series. There's three episodes up and they're the three episodes that we've done this year so far. And then from there, if you use Spotify, um, I believe we're up on the Android app. However, I don't own an Android, so I don't know. If someone out there owns an Android and can find it, let me know. I'd love to hear. Um, so, but yeah, it's going to go up there and we'll have a link on Senior Living True Series to a podcast uh, options where you can go and then click and it'll take you on your device to wherever you need to go to listen. To it's that. not complicated. If you've never done, if you've never downloaded an app for a podcast, Naomi could walk you through it in a heartbeat. It's not hard to do. Shannon uh, could do it. I could do it. If we're together, we're talking. Um, Villages OKC. I'm going to give them a quick plug. Villages OKC, Marilyn and her crew over there, have been doing some pretty amazing um, things with video. They're doing mm -hmm. coffee chats. They're doing movies on Zoom. Um, if you have not checked out the Villages OKC, I would encourage you to do that. I would tell you that all of the senior communities have been posting on their Facebook pages some really cool stuff. If you have not been on Facebook lately, um, you can go to the, their Facebook pages. Their uh, uh, with, uh, let me think, hang on one second. Philip Suarez with Edward Jones is doing some online training. Um, and you can find out about that through our Facebook page. Um, and you've been doing calls with these Zoom calls that are going up on yeah. Facebook. So Silver Lining series calls. So yeah. there is no reason to be alone. We are together um, as we speak in lots of different ways. And if you're just not sure how to find it, Naomi is masterful at directing people to where they're supposed to be. Um, Mark, thank you for being here and joining us. Uh, we appreciate you. And what you guys may not realize, those of you out there in the audience, is that Mark is kind of our, um, he's our offsite consultant. He, those of you who came to the Shredit party, mm -hmm. he offices That's in that big Keller Williams office there. We have a little offsite office, but we all work very closely together. And Mark's our go-to guy for, for the question marks that we have sometimes, right? So thank you. Thank you guys. Make it a great day. We love you. And we'll hopefully we'll see you in person next month, but if not, we'll be back here. And you know how to do it. Zoom. So we're looking yeah, forward right. to it. That's right. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you.